Hey, InterVarsity alumni. This is After Four, your podcast for navigating life after graduation. This is both an exciting and potentially tricky transition that you're making, and you might feel a little unsure about the coming weeks and months. We're here to provide you with expert advice, practical skills, and plenty of encouragement as you learn how to keep saying yes to Jesus in your new context. This is After Four, and this podcast is for you, alumni. What's up, alumni? Welcome to After Four, your podcast for navigating life after graduation. I'm your host and guide, John Steele, and we are continuing our journey together through the relational transitions of graduation. Last week, we talked about ending well on campus. You can check the show notes for links if you missed that one. Today, we're talking about friendship after graduation. How do I make friends now that I'm off campus? How do I maintain a friendship once it's started? We're going to talk about all of that and even more with our guest, Dr. Brian Loritz. Dr. Loritz is a pastor and an author and the author of the upcoming IVP title, Enduring Friendship, Sticking Together in an Age of Unfriending. Pastor Brian has so many good words for you, alumni. I was especially intrigued by his three steps for navigating the inevitable challenges that you'll experience with long-term friends and his thoughts on developing a priority-based calendar. You're going to have to listen for yourself, but you're going to have to listen for yourself and see what stands out to you. All right, here's Pastor Brian, and this one's for you, alumni. Pastor Brian, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to have you. I'm really grateful for you joining us today. Uh, Pastor Brian, would you do us the honor of just helping us get to know you a little bit? Who are you? Um, yes. Yeah, so that's a that's a pretty broad question I could talk for a while <laughs> yes. on. I uh, um married to my bride, Corey. We'll celebrate 25 years this uh, July. We have three young adult sons. Our oldest is Quentin. He's 22. He's in the Army. Our middle son, Miles, is a college student at Biola University. And our youngest, Jaden, is wrapping up his gap year. Uh, He's literally traveling the world as we speak. Just landed in Thailand, uh, running sports camp, sharing the gospel. And uh, uh, I'm a teaching pastor at a church in the Raleigh-Durham area. And uh, along with that, I've written some things and I train church planters through the SEND network and speak at a few events. My understanding is that you have a new book coming out as well. Would you tell us just a little bit about your upcoming book that you're doing? Yeah, book releases on March 12th. It's called Enduring Friendship, uh, Sticking Together in an Age of Unfriending. So uh, we're just kind of looking at kind of this whole idea that our greatest uh, longing is also our greatest frustration. Uh, Mm. We desire to be known and to know, uh, but The idea of friendship, the reason why it's so frustrating is because sin is not just a personal thing. It's a profoundly social thing. Hmm. So it rips at the fabric of relationships. And so even in Genesis chapter two, you know, uh, Adam and Eve were naked and unashamed. And their physical vulnerability was an illustration of their whole life vulnerability. But then once sin entered the world, the first thing they do is they hide from God. They hide from one another. Hmm. And we are still feeling the lingering effects of that. 
right? And I think we in the West, we only see sin as just kind of being this personal thing, but it's it's relational. It messes with our relationship with God, and it messes with our relationship with others. We we hurt each other, and so you go through enough of that. Uh, a lot of people are just like, "What's the use? I, I don't mm-hmm. even." I don't even want this, but that doesn't make the longing go away. So we just talk about how to deal with those inevitable moments in relationship where I'm either the offended or I am the offender and Mm. how to navigate that and get back on track and have healthy, sustaining relationships and friendships with one another. Well, I'm hopeful this may not be the exact application that you had in mind for the things that you've been writing, but I'm hopeful that some of your experiences and, and the preparation that you've done in writing that book, that there will be some uh, some uniquely helpful wisdom that you can impart to our audience, uh, you know, InterVarsity alumni who are in this stage of transition. And what does it look like stepping into this phase, this this really interesting, new, challenging, good, but challenging phase of life and saying, how do I? develop relationships that will actually last moving forward? How will I have endure an enduring friendship with somebody in this life after graduation phase? So I, I think as, as we step into this part of our conversation, Pastor Brian, I, I'd like to know, in your experience, in your opinion, what is it about this post-graduation phase in particular, but also just like adult life. You're no longer uh, sort of in the confines of your classroom or in your dorm room or your campus communities. What is it about this next era of life that can make it so difficult to make friends in the first place, to maintain them long term? And, And right along with that, is there something about our current culture uh, the 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 world around us that that flavors that and makes it difficult in particular. Yeah. So, um, like most things, one of the biggest barriers is actually a good thing that's turned into a bad thing. Mm. Um, oftentimes, I think one of the on the short list of culprits that really hinders uh, healthy relationships in general, whether it's marriage, whether it's uh, my relationship with God, whether it's friendships with others. Is um, is is our our pursuit of productivity, hmm. uh, which has some very real time implications, right? And so, you know, you you just graduate, of course, you know, you you're looking for a job, and of course, you get that job. You want to do a great job, and but over time, what happens is you find yourself traveling a lot. You find yourself uh, in a lot of ways overworking. You find hmm. yourself just not really having the bandwidth and the margin and the space to really invest relationally with people. Uh, Arthur Brooks talks about this in his book, Strength to Strength. David Brooks, No Relationship, uh, makes a similar point in his book, The Second Mountain. And that is, um, there comes a point when we have to stop our sprint up Mount Significant, up Mount mm-hmm. Significance and, makes a, and make a healthy pivot where we intentionally invest in relationships. And so just so many people uh, get really hung up in the realm of busyness and productivity that they literally don't have any margin to, uh, to invest significantly in relationships. So I think that's just something that we've got to watch for. That's not a problem to be solved. It's a tension to be managed, right? And I get it. You need to work. Uh, you need to work well. 
but you're going to always have that tension. In some seasons, it feels like you've got good margin. Other seasons, it feels like you don't. So I think yes. that's a real barrier. Uh, another barrier that I would say, another hindrance to healthy relationships, I think is unique to this specific moment in time that we're dealing with, is just the brittle nature of so many people. You know, what social media does to mm. us is it allows us to create this fantasy world where everyone agrees with me. And if for some reason I post something that you don't like, praise God for the block button. And then what happens is we we create this facade on digital platforms mm. where it's kind of this echo chamber. I say something, I'm surrounded by people who agree with, well, that's not real life. Right. The reality of real life relationships is if every time someone pushes back on something you say or think um, and you cancel them, you're not going to have you're just not going to experience long term vibrant relationships. Right. And you actually need for your sense of well-being to have people in your life who see it differently, who challenge you differently. But I'm really concerned in this cancel culture and how quick we set up boundaries. That's a real hindrance to healthy, enduring friendship. Absolutely. I mean, it feels like that's a place where even, I mean, to the degree of brain rewiring that you have all of this time spent online and engaging online that says, yes, that, oh, I people agree with me. And if they don't, I can remove it. And that's just the way the world works. And then you step into your church and your pastor says something about the Bible or about relationships or about injustice or whatever it might be. And you hear these things, you're like, oh, no, no, I don't agree with that. This is not the right place for me. Uh, if, if I disagree or if people disagree with me, then something is wrong here as opposed to, oh, this is a place to, this is a place to open up, a place to listen, to engage and to ask questions that we're, we're training people into just pushing the block button as opposed to asking questions with an open posture. That's it. So then as, as we think about stepping into some of these places where we might be able to start developing these relationships after graduation, what are some initial recommendations that you have for people for making new friendships? Where, where do they go to find them? How do they start engaging? And what are some realistic expectations that they should have for this process? Well, I think, number one, you, you need to be in the right environments, right? Mm. Um, you know, the old adage, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Uh, it, it really implies that these friends are marching in the same direction that I want to be marching in, which means you, you need to find them in appropriate environments. And mm. one of the best environments you can find friends is is church, yeah. Um, I'm going to sound like an old fogey, but you need to literally <laughs> physically be in the building, right? Oh, yes. Um, and so, listen, I, I get it. And there are times when we go on vacation or there's a business trip, something happens and we need to catch it online. Of course, there's an allowance for that. But nothing re replaces actually physically being there and being in good mm. environments. A lot of churches have small groups. I would encourage you to jump into these small groups, whatever you can to shrink the church and have shoulder to shoulder mm. contact with people. Uh, and then allow yourself just the freedom to, you know, <laughs> kind of date uh, potential friends, right? Yes. I wouldn't jump in there all, you know, heavy and say, hey, look, I'm new in town. Will you be my best friend? No, no, that's friendships are organic. In fact, I think mm. part of the part of the reason why people get so frustrated with small group ministry is um, is the reality that you can't program community. 
Like, you know, we can set things up, but who you click with is who you click with, right? And just yes. because you walk into a small group doesn't mean that these are the people you need to be you need to be spending life with. And so try, cut and paste, give yourself freedom to Say, say, okay, that didn't work well. That did work well. You know, one, one of my wife and I's glorious frustrations um, in 25 years of marriage, I, I, I can't think of anything more difficult than than my wife and I dating other couples, right? Because <laughs> yes. what inevitably happens is we'll hang out with a couple and, you know, later on that night, my wife will say, ooh, I loved her, man. I can't wait to hang out again. And I'm like, couldn't stand him, you know, <laughs> yes. or vice versa. Um, but you, you just you just need to try and see if there's if there's a sense of chemistry there. Hmm. Um, so I think that's huge. If if you're just graduating from somewhere, you're moving to a new city, find the right environment, and one of the best environments to find that is the local church. Absolutely. And and I think that there's probably something to be said for for giving time as well. You know, if you get these immediate red flags of like this is this is just absolutely not going to work relationally or you know whatever it might be, then that's that's one thing to say like, OK, it's time it's time for me to go date a different couple or date a different friend, whatever it might be. But if you if you're just like I didn't feel like we clicked right off the bat, that there's probably space and grace to be given. So many of us are coming off of like some of our closest friends and confidants in in college, like some of the best friends that we've ever known. And to immediately place those expectations on somebody in a church small group that we are brand new to, to say like, yeah, just give it some time. You know, some of my, some of my favorite songs in my whole life were ones that I wasn't sure I actually liked to begin with. But when I gave time to really dig in and listen and understand them further of like, oh, wow, the song is so much deeper and musically complex than I understood. Uh, and that's and, ah, that's what makes it a really fantastic song, why I love it so much. It could be the same with some of these friendships. Of they're, they're just a little more complex. They require a little more time of digging in and experiencing. And, uh, and then you get to the good stuff once you've kind of walked through some of the, eh, I'm not sure stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, so then once once we do work through some of those things and we found some of these places for I think this could work. I think this could work long term. What are the things that we need to do to actually cultivate relationships that will stand the test of time? Yeah, I think like anything, right? So if you were to back me into a corner and say, what makes a great dad or what what makes a great mom or what makes a great husband or wife, I, I would say at the core of all that is intentionality, hmm. right? Just being intentional. Um, and so now we're getting back to the time thing. You know, I've, I've got a group of buddies of mine. We've been doing life since the mid 90s. So, you know, coming up on 30 years and we do an annual retreat. That's a really intentional mm. time that we get on the calendar, that we carve out, that we're going to spend time with each other. Yeah. Um, if if one of them happens to be in town because we're spread out all over the country or I'm going to be, in fact, that's going to happen to me this weekend coming up. I, I got to preach in a city that one of the guys in this group is in. I literally just sent him a text um, the, uh, yesterday and said, look, I'm going to be in town. And it was a quick conversation. We're going to get together, but I'm just painting the picture of intentionality. Yes. Um, and so here's, here's a principle 
in friendships, you know, typically what happens in friendships is one person's a great initiator, another person is a great responder, right? <laughs> yes. And on, on my dark days, that can be a little frustrating because sometimes it feels like, am I the only one who's being intentional here? Hmm. Right. It feels like I'm the only one who's kind of initiating this thing. And as I've had those honest conversations with people over the years, what I've learned to discover is some of my friends, they're just not, not naturally wired to initiate, which hmm. is exactly why God has me in their life. Right. Yeah. Um, so I would just say it, be intentional, 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 and then carve out time for what matters most. And on that note, I'll say this and then I'll turn it back over to you. I, I, I sat down with a mentor some years ago. As a young leader, um, I was complaining about a lack of time and all this other stuff. So he says, why don't you bring your calendar to our next meeting together? And so he looks at my calendar. And he just kind of smiled at me. He goes, um, your philosophy of calendaring is all wrong. And it's how <laughs> it's how most people do calendaring. I said, well, what do you mean by that? He says, your calendar is task-driven, not priority-driven. Wow. And, you know, some of our listeners probably can relate to this. Have you ever gone through a season in which you go, man, I did a whole lot of stuff, but I didn't do anything all at once. Yes. Right? <laughs> and I would just say, don't let, don't let your calendar be the proverbial tail that wags the dog. It's a hmm. tool for you to live out your priorities. And one of those priorities that should be reflected on your calendar is space for meaningful, life-giving friendships and relationships. Wow. That uh, that feels like a fantastic piece of advice that probably will require a little, uh, again, coming back to the idea of rewiring brain. Uh, I think so many of us are, you, you think about um, coming just coming out of graduation, just coming out of school, that we are set up for what does the, what does my curriculum, what does the, uh, what is the professor saying that I have to get done to be able to graduate? These are the things that I must get done. And therefore those things are the priority as opposed to saying, no, what is my actual priority here? Is it building relationships or is it getting stuff done? And to what degree, like what is the ratio of those things that is my priority long-term? You, It's not your professors dictating what is important anymore. It's you dictating what the rest of your life looks like and what is important there. Uh, so I, I love that of how do you tell your calendar what to do ahead right. of time so that it's, okay, these are my pri priorities. This is what I'm going to do, even if it is not the accomplishments like we talked about before of I, I'm not going to climb the ladder at work quite as quickly as I might have wanted because my work could kick me to the curb anytime they want to. But my friends have the potential to be around forever if I invest there really well. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. You've already touched on a couple of these things, but these are these feel very like positive, proactive moments, uh, things to do to keep moving forward well in developing relationship. But inevitably, there are going to be challenges that come up, not just in the initial startup phases of building friendships, but over the long term, uh, as we build enduring relationships we come across challenges with those friends and, and we need to know how to navigate them well rather than just defaulting to our cancel culture. Uh, what are what are some of the challenges that you would encourage people to have their, their ears open for uh, and, and how do we navigate some of those things well long term? 
Yeah, listen, when we talk about navigating challenges, inevitable challenges in friendships, because remember, right, I'm a sinner, you're a sinner. Um, if, if, if it's a real relationship, I'm not talking about being an acquaintance. If it's a real relationship, I'm going to see, see you at your worst moments. You're going to see me at my worst moments. Mm. I, I won't mean to, but I'm going to harm you. You're going to harm me. And so how do I get through that is what I hear you saying. Well, you got to have three things. You got to have truth. You got to have repentance. You got to have grace, right? Mm. Real friends speak truth to each other. I mean, Paul told the Ephesians just in one of these classic one another passages, I want you to speak the truth in love, right? It's at that moment where I would just encourage you when something happens, you really don't have truth, you have perception. Mm. And so I want to enter those moments where we're trying to get to the truth, not by making statements, but by asking questions, right? Mm. Um, and so I, I want to come, on, you know, in a posture of saying, hey, when you said that, here's how it made me feel. What did you mean by that? It takes incredible vulnerability. It takes a lot of skill. In fact, on this note, let me just say this. There's something called the communication pyramid, which there's five levels of communication. Okay. The most surface level is cliche. Good morning. Good morning. How, how are you? You've communicated, but you haven't communicated. Levels two and level three are where most guys hang out. Level two is facts. You know, how many points does Steph Curry have? Who won the game last <laughs> night? Yeah. Uh, level three is opinion, sharing what you think. You know, who's the greatest of all time? Of course, it's Michael Jordan, not LeBron. We understand all that. Level four, level five are your, your indicator lights of your deepest friendships. Level four is emotive. It's sharing how I feel. And then level five is transparency. It's sharing who you are. That's mm -hmm. how you gauge your friendships. And so when a friend does something that wounds me, I need to come at them not with facts because I don't really have facts. I need to come at, at my friend through the, through the feelings, emotive door and say, hey, listen, when you said that or when you didn't invite me to, I just want you to know, here's how that made me feel. And this is where a lot of people, especially guys, miss it. We, we take the offense and we stuff it. We never speak to it and act like it didn't happen. And then relationally, yeah. we begin to moonwalk away from the person. Um, healthy, healthy, healthy relationships, we, we do the hard work of trying to get to the truth of what happens. Next step is repentance. And so when I get to the, the truth of it, now, now we got to talk about making a change of action. And that always begins with confession. Um, and so most people don't know how to apologize, right? An apology is not, I'm sorry you took it that way. Mm. An, apology, um, an apology takes ownership. I'm sorry, I. Secondly, it names the offense. I'm sorry, I lied to you. I'm sorry, whatever. And then it ends with what I call the big ask. Will you forgive me, right? Now that I've confessed and I've owned it, now we give each other space to change behavior. Repentance simply means that I'm doing a 180 degree turn in the opposite way of the offense, right? Right. Now, now this is this is really important, and and, I, and people need to hear this. One of the ways you know that the friendship is over is when a person does something to harm you. And they don't confess and repent of it. We call hmm. unrepentant offense. We actually call that abuse. Wow. 
And so you can't have a relationship with an abuser, whether it's emotional, no matter what it is. And then the third thing is grace, right? I, I'm, I'm going to give to you what you don't deserve. You know, I was offended. I was hurt. Paul says, love keeps no record of wrongs. Grace says, I'm going to turn off the scoreboard. I'm going wow. to give you space to live this thing out. And I think we, we outline all that stuff in the book, by the way. That's um, great. And, and that's how we, we, we can get back on track with our friendships. So it sounds like two sides of that would be, I mean, one, knowing how to actually apologize and repent uh, to own the impact and not just the intentions of what you said or did. And and that the other side would also be when that's done to you to know how to forgive. It seems like that would also be something that can be a big challenge. Yeah, but but I want you to hear in both sides, both people, the, the only way you'll do that is if you're humble, right? Just think about it. It takes humility for me to admit that hurt me. Yeah. And on the other side of the table, it takes humility to apologize and humility to say, I'm going to work on that. Yeah. So you can't have a relationship with a proud, arrogant person, hmm. but a humble person is going to do that work. Yes. Yes. So a, a, a mindset towards humility in your relationships is going to get you far down the road with someone in building an enduring relationship. It sounds like that's right. That's exactly it. So, uh, this is, I mean, all of this has been extraordinarily helpful. If you could give people one practical step to take as we, as we think about people anticipating graduating in the next few months here, or people who are in the first nine months or so after they've graduated and they're thinking about, um, they're thinking about these, these steps, what's one practical invitation that you would give to people in this process? Right. (laughs) pray i I don't i don't know how much we talk about the importance of prayer Mm. as it relates to i mean just god dropped the right kind of people in my life Mm. um one of my closest friends in life um he said early on in our friendship i prayed for years for this wow and look we we pray about a whole bunch of stuff I just don't hear people just saying, no, I've been, I've been praying for the right kind of friendships. Wow. Um, so I would, I would say that's where, that's where it begins. Put that on your list. I pray that for my boys all the time. You know, mm. God dropped the right kind of peers who love Jesus are headed in the same direction they're trying to head in. Um, I think that's a matter of prayer. Absolutely. Yes. Wow. Uh, I, I, I mean, prayer seems to be one of the most underutilized tools in our tool bag in general, and that does not seem like the most obvious application is to pray for really great friends. Uh, so I, I think that, that I think that that's a fantastic word for sure. Thank you, Pastor Brian. I, as uh, we've talked about this a couple of times, but how can people continue engaging with the work that you're doing? R- remind us again about uh, when your book releases. I mean, how can people stay in touch with uh, with the work that you're doing around friendship? Yeah, so March 12th, uh, okay. Enduring Friendship releases. You can actually go on Amazon right now and pre-order. Uh, so okay. that's a way. You can follow me on Instagram. Uh, just my last name is Loritz, L-O-R-I-T-T-S. Uh, same thing for Twitter and threads and Facebook. Okay. Um, and all those will have updates on not only what's going on with me personally and in ministry, but specifically about the book as well. 
Perfect. We will make sure that that makes it into the into the show notes. And and this is an IVP release as well. So our our alumni will have special access to uh, to this book as a result. So, um, Pastor Brian, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks a lot for your time and your wisdom. And uh, this is going to be incredibly encouraging and some really great practical and big picture things that our alumni can walk away with. So thanks a lot for investing that time in our alumni. Well, thanks for having me on. All right. There are way too many great takeaways for me to summarize all of them here. If you'd like something you can read and refer back to, jump over to our Instagram page from the show notes and you'll be able to save the post I made there for major takeaways from the episode. There's one word I will highlight, though, before we wrap, and that's intentionality. Emily talked about it last week with ending well on campus and making a plan for maintaining those friendships, and Pastor Brian mentioned it today as well. Intentionality. You must be intentional, purposeful in your pursuit of new and long-lasting friendships after graduation. You have to be intentional to set up healthy boundaries so that you have margin for meeting new people. You have to be intentional if you're going to get up every every week and commit to a church and a small group. If you're going to learn to set up a priorities-driven calendar or learn how to communicate effectively with truth, repentance, and grace, or if you're going to pray for the Lord to put the right people in your life, you have to be intentional. Make a plan, give yourself grace, but be intentional about pursuing new relationships after graduation. You will be incredibly glad that you did. Pastor Brian, thank you so much for joining us and for giving us so many helpful insights for navigating this part of relational transition. Alumni, be sure to check the link in the show notes for Enduring Friendship on IVP's website. It doesn't release until March, but you might be able to pre-order. Maybe. I'm not sure. Give it a look. Either way, buy it through IVP because you can use your alumni discount and save yourself some cash. Then be sure to come back next week for our conversation about navigating the ever-changing relationship with your parents, especially if you're planning on moving back in with them after graduation. Thanks for tuning in, and I will see you in the after, alumni. Hey, thanks so much for joining us today, alumni. If there was anything that you learned, really enjoyed, or that encouraged you from today's episode, would you send us a DM or tag us in a story? We'd love to hear about it. You can find us at After4Pod on Instagram and Facebook. And if you haven't already, take just a second to unlock your phone and subscribe to the podcast. If your platform lets you, leave us a rating and a review. And if you like what we're doing here, share us with your InterVarsity or other post-graduation friends. Thanks again for listening, and I will see you in the after, alumni.